Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. My name is Trevor Sikama. It's Friday. Ben, how do we feel? Uh, it seems like everybody's enjoying it. Listeners have been enjoying it I'm a lot. We've got a lot of good comments. It. And you know what? Yes. That's really all that matters. Oh, okay. Well, if you ever want to know how I feel about it, I will uh, ask you, can also you ask but that. right now I haven't. So, um, <laughs> all right. So, we got to recap before we get our guest on. We got to recap for, for the people. This is how the guest mock draft, which if, you, if you're listening for the first time, you don't understand the concept, what we're doing is Ben and I are hosting some two people every single show, two people who cover one of the teams that we're talking about very well, very closely. They know them better than we can. Sure, we know a lot about draft prospects, but we're not always going to know every team maybe as well as, say, a beat reporter does or somebody who covers them all the time. So that's the point of this guest mock draft. So we're getting people who know the teams even better. We're combining kind of our draft knowledge with their team knowledge and even intertwining a little bit of both with some good conversations. And we're coming up with what we're calling the guest mock draft of 2019. So far, we are at pick number nine now, and we have had Kyler Murray go number one, then Nick Bosa, jo- uh, Josh Allen, Quinnen Williams, Ed Oliver, Dwayne Haskins, Jonah Williams, and then Montez Sweat. The Lions were the last pick. And here at pick number nine, to pick for the Buffalo Bills, we have on with us Sal Capaccio. He covers the Bills as the beaten sideline reporter for WGR up in Buffalo. Sal, how you doing, my man? It's good to be with you. You too, guys. It's happy draft season. Thanks for having me. Oh, my goodness. Best happy, time of the year, baby. Happy draft. It is the best time of the year. Well, I mean, you know. Jesus might have some fighting words over that because some people say that it's Christmas. But we like draft season two. Maybe Jesus does too. Speaking of Jesus, Josh Allen. Okay, that was maybe that was a little too far. <laughs> Sal, Sal, I want to get your take on Josh Allen's first year because obviously, you know, there was the whirlwind of him, what his draft stock was going to be. Some people were super high on him right away in the draft process. Other people were... You know, talking about him as a total project, he ends up going top 10. He ends up having this faith behind him. And you know what? He ends up getting a lot of playing time there in his first rookie year. So from your perspective, somebody who covered it really well, what did you think of Josh Allen's first year? What did you think of the the past year in Buffalo and how it was led by a guy who they're hoping is their franchise quarterback for a really long time? Yeah, and look, I'll tell you, I think the worst thing for Josh Allen was that he had to go through this three-man quarterback battle, this three-man race. It really, He only got a third of the reps, guys, essentially, and even those reps were not with the first team very often. And that wound up hurting him in the end because he wound up starting as of the second week of the year. So he was really behind the eight ball. And then he got thrown in that situation after Nathan Peterman was clearly not the answer and not the guy that you know could lead the team. Once they put him in there because he didn't have those reps and coming from Wyoming and being as raw as he was and not having much offensive talent around him, let's be honest, it really wasn't a great situation. And then he started to figure things out just a little bit. And just as that happened, he had the elbow injury. And, you know, maybe it was a blessing in disguise. He got to sit back. He got to watch both Derek Anderson and Matt Barkley, who came in later, uh, to see what how they performed and what they did and really off the field learn from them. And when he went back in at the end of the year, he was pretty good. And the Bills really – did some nice things on offense, and I would argue that for you know the last four or five games, Josh Allen was the best player on the field for the Buffalo Bills in probably at least two, maybe three of them. But the other thing that happened, which I thought was super interesting, was the Bills changed their philosophy. They really 
I think when they got Josh Allen, they said, all right, this isn't the most accurate guy in the world. You know, we're going to get him guys with big catch radiuses. Kelvin Benjamin's going to help him out a lot. We're going to get guys that are going to be targets that can go high point balls and body up and things like that. You know, that really wasn't what was good for Josh Allen. What they figured out by the end of the year was, no, no, we need guys who can separate. We need the guys who can stretch the field. Robert Foster, undrafted free agent, had a spectacular rookie season. They go and get uh, Isaiah McKenzie. You know, they put him on the field a lot. Zay Jones was used a lot more. So, you know, now I think that's where they're trending and what they're doing with the additions they made in the uh, offseason with John Brown and Cole Beasley and guys like that coming in. It's because they're trying to give more options for Josh Allen to work the entire field both horizontally and vertically. But the biggest thing for him, he's going to have all those reps. He's the number one man from day one, and that is going to help him immensely. Yeah, I love what you said there, Sal, especially when it came to, to the weapons and the improvement you saw across the season. One of the, my favorite in-season posts that I got to write this year was on Brian Dabble and what I think he's done really, really well with Josh Allen. So now, like you said, big free agency additions. You've got Smoke Brown in the building. Cole Beasley is there. Obviously, Frank Gore comes in. Now you've got an old backfield, but a highly be- a veteran backfield, and the entire offensive line looks different. When you look at the offense, building for Josh Allen, knowing now how he's going to be successful in Buffalo, are there any pieces that you think are missing? What what more do you want to add to the offensive side of the ball to really build the the, the most Josh Allen-specific offense that you can? Yeah, it's funny you say that. You know, they really have built for him. Even with even with Frank Gore, I think I believe Frank Gore was signed because really maybe more for his pass blocking abilities. One of the best pass blocking backs right. of our generation. You know, I mean, I think they've really loaded up to help Josh Allen in that regard as well. But you look at what it is, and here this is an amazing stat. I just ran the numbers today, guys. The Buffalo Bills have signed from other teams as free agents seventeen players. That counts. CFL wide receiver edition, Duke Williams, who used to be at Auburn, as you know. But other than that, even 16 unrestricted free agents they signed from other clubs, which is amazing. Clearly the most of any team in the league. But even more incredible is, out of that, it's 13 players on offense, and they have signed five offensive linemen. They're going to have a completely new offense. It's all geared on Josh Allen. They got rid of all of that dead cap space. They took the bullet. Uh, They ate the money last year. They knew where they were going to do that. And they had $80 million to spend. And basically, they've gone out and they spent half of it, and almost all of it is on the offensive side. And what they still need, though, remember, they got rid of Charles Clay as a tight end. They did bring in Tyler Croft, but he's really more of a, a guy who can block and then also do some nice things, catching the ball, especially in the red zone. I do really like um, the, the tight end. Um, they have Jason Kroom, who came on last year as a pass catcher. He's a converted wide receiver from college. And then they signed Jake Fisher, who's an offensive lineman converted to tight end. Right. They need more of that really consistent pass-catching tight end, though. That's what they need. And then the other thing they need, of all the additions they had, ironically, after what I said about how they started the year last year, they don't have that bigger receiver who can get the contested balls, who can body up guys. Like, I mean, heck, if an Enfield Harry was there in the second round, dream type of pick for the Bills, a player like that who could really help Josh Allen on some of those balls where they're not stretching the field or looking underneath. And yeah, one quick note, Trevor, before your question on those free agents, the, we, we've talked a lot about the compensatory uh, draft picks and, and working that system in Philadelphia and, and the Patriots. I love what Brandon Bean did. I love what the Bills did because they didn't have a lot of guys who qualified that they lost. So they weren't going to really make 2020 comp picks. So if you're not going to get 2020 comp picks, go to town. Oh, go all out. Free agents yeah. as you can. And the Bills did that so, so well. No, I love the Mitch Morris yeah, edition that- too. So, I mean, you know, he was a, he was a guy who I really liked as a versatile Guy then picking up, and then when I mean when they signed Jake Fisher as that tight end, kind of announced he was a tight end. 
you you kind of knew what they were doing. This this entire free agency period was so much of it was built around we are going to give Josh Allen the best line that we possibly can. Like that is what they're going to do. And we talk about that all the time as draft analysts. Hey, you've got a young quarterback. Give him a chance to be the guy that you drafted him to be, to be the player that can improve where he needs to improve, all that kinds of stuff. And, and without a good offensive line, you're just not going to be able to do that. So I thought they really put their money where their mouth is. I mean, do you, you, got, you agree as well, don't you? Yeah, I do. And, I, and I'll say this. Um, the Bills will have one returning starter on the offensive line from last year. That'll be left tackle Deion Dawkins. And even his position isn't guaranteed, although I think that he'll win the job. I mean, they drafted him to be there. And, you know, he had a little bit of an inconsistent year last year, but I still think he shows promise that he'll be their franchise left tackle going forward. But you think about it, even as we are talking here and recording this just today, they signed Quentin Spain of the Tennessee Titans. He's still out there in free agency. They're like, Bring him in. He's had close to 50 starts in this league. Adrian Waddle, two Super Bowl championships with the New England Patriots as a swing tackle. John Feliciano had a handful of starts with the Raiders at guard. Ty Secchi, who everyone says is a very underrated player from the Washington Redskins when he played. All these guys. Spencer Long, they signed. Everyone says, ah, uh, it's not really a great center. Don't worry. He doesn't have to play center because Mitch Morse. Now you move him to guard. Right. There's going to be some amazing competition. And don't forget about Wyatt Teller, who they drafted last year and then started towards the end of the year. The competition on offensive line is going to be amazing. And I think a lot of that is also born from their new offensive line coach, Bobby Johnson, who came from Oakland. He was also in Detroit for a little while, so he's familiar uh, with Quentin Spain. So I think they're really kind of gearing up towards – you know, having an entirely new and fresh, not only offensive line, but a set of weapons for Josh Allen. I want to flip sides and go to the defense because uh, obviously we've spent a lot of time there talking about offense and, and rightfully so because the Bills spent so much time and money kind of improving that offense. But on the defensive side of the football, when I look at this depth chart, I kind of think the defensive back is I don't know, this almost a strength, or, or at least the, the area where I see a lot of upside with it. Obviously, you have Trey White, Jordan Poirier, who I like, Micah Hyde, who I really loved as a signing a, a couple of years ago. Um, I know they might be able to use one or two more pieces there, but is this secondary almost the strength of this defense, or am I totally missing it? No, it is, and it has been for the last couple of years. They, they really have, ever since they signed Micah Hyde and Jordan Poirier. Uh, this will be their third year together going in. And I mean, you think about it. Think about the money that was spent on safeties this offseason and free agency. Micah yeah. Hyde and Jordan Poyer together are counting for less than what some of these safeties are oh, yeah. or corners are individually. And what value is that you're getting from two basically Pro Bowl level type of players, which is really, really amazing for the Bills. Then you talk about Tredavious White. He was he traveled last year. He followed the top receiver around. That's how good he is. He can really uh, do a great job in shutting down a team's number one receiver. The one thing they're missing is opposite Trey White. Now, look, sure. Levi Wallace, undrafted free agent. I really love the traits he had, but he was not physical enough last year. Sean McDermott likes physical corners. He's got to be bigger. He's got to be stronger. He's got to be more physical in the run game. He's going to go into camp. He's going to fight for that starting job. But what they did was they went out and they got some competition for him as well. They brought back EJ Gaines, who was in Buffalo a couple years ago. Great scheme fit as a zone corner. He's had some injury issues. And they also brought another guy who had some injury issues, former first-round pick Kevin Johnson, yeah. to compete for that spot opposite. So they're going to have competition, and I really love Taron Johnson in the slot. I think Taron Johnson is a heck of a football player. Again, though, some injury concerns because of the way he plays at his size and his stature and going after people, you know, his shoulder didn't really hold up. They, 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 have, they need more depth in the front seven. I like their linebackers a lot. You know, Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, and, you know, Lorenzo Alexander defying odds here at this point of his career still making right. pro bowls. You know, it's amazing. But 
they don't have much behind them, and I think that's really where they need to improve. And then they have an interesting situation on the defensive line because they have some nice players. But, guys, Jerry Hughes is going to be 31 and going to the last year of his contract. Shaq Lawson is going into his fourth year. They have to make a decision on his fifth-year option, and I don't know if they're going to pick that up at this point. And then and next with them is Trent Murphy. They signed for big money last year who really didn't produce the way they wanted. He had some injuries. So there's some things going on up front that they're going to have to solidify. But overall, hey, the number two official ranked defense in the league last year at the end of the year. Right. Now that Shaq Lawson option, is that this upcoming May that they've got to pick up that? Yeah, for 2020. And I just don't know. I mean, I don't think he's been productive enough. And look, if you go back and take a look, you know, people that might not realize what Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have done, they, they basically jettisoned every one of the Doug Whaley slash Rex Ryan draft picks. No matter who you were, no matter when you were picked, you're not on this roster anymore. Shaq Lawson's the only one left. Mm-hmm. Sammy Watkins is gone, for example. Cordy Glenn is gone. You know, guys right. like that, they're all gone. And, um, you know, this is like the last guy that's hanging on. And I'm not saying that it automatically means they're going to move on, but it's not a guy they brought in, and they've shown a tendency to move on from those guys. And Shaq had a nice year last year. He had his best year as a pro, but I don't think he's personally lived up to what people thought he would be when he was drafted, uh, and I think it was, what, 19th overall or 15th overall just a few years ago. And it's going to be an interesting decision. That's a lot of money to spend on a guy like that. They like Shaq. I just don't know if they like him for the kind of money it's going to cost to keep him for that fifth year. Right. Now, I want to flip it to the third unit, which is a unit we rarely talk about on the on the NFL Draft podcast, obviously, because you don't really draft special teamers that much. But the Bills special teams last year were a disgrace. They were not great. And obviously... Uh, new special teams coordinator there in Heath Farwell. The Bills have 10 picks in this upcoming draft, two fifth-rounders, two seventh-rounders. How much do you think special teams' background, special teams' experience, is going to factor into these day three picks, given the struggles that the Bills had on that unit last year? Oh, I think a lot. Sean McDermott cares about that unit a lot. That's why they did um, wind up firing their special teams coach. And, you know, Danny Crossman, he actually went into the division. He's now with the Miami Dolphins. But you see even in some of the guys that they've basically signed here this offseason. And I'll tell you, I am the sideline reporter on the radio network, as you guys mentioned. And I will tell you, the Bills play the Jets twice a year. And last year when they played the New York Jets, I mean, they were absolutely destroyed uh, by the Jets kick returner, Andre Roberts. Well, the Bills right. mountain re- and signed him. They brought him in. They made him a Buffalo Bill because uh, uh, I'm sure partly what they saw. And then on the other side of the ball, Maurice Alexander, who has started at both safety and linebacker in this league, He's a special teams guy. That's really what he's going to be you know, for the Buffalo Bills. Sonoris Perry, running back, he's going to be a special teams guy. The Bills have concentrated on picking up special teams types of players here in the offseason, and I think as they go through the draft, it's going to be vitally important to them to make sure they have some of those core special teams guys because it was a very, very poor part of their team last year, and it cost them. I, I would say it cost them games. They had blocked punts. They had miscues on the kicking and the punting game, and um, they allowed some big returns to go against them as well. All right, Sal, that pretty much, I mean, covers, we, we did. We covered offense, defense, even even some special teams in there. So now it is time. It is time. You, have, you are now on the clock. You are selecting for the Buffalo Bills. You did such a great job of highlighting, I think, a lot of the strengths and weaknesses that they have on this team. But you can only make one pick at number nine. So who is it going to be for this guest mock draft pick? Well, if the Bills can't trade out of number nine, which I think they'd love to do, and they stay there, I think they'd love to have Ed Oliver fall to them. That obviously hasn't happened. He's already been taken in this mock draft. You know what? We talked about it. We talked about getting Josh Allen weapons. 
I think TJ Hawkinson would really fit oh, in well. Top 10 tight end. With this group. Let's go. Pass catchers and helping out Josh Allen. And he's a guy I think that could really be that new age type of tight end that a lot of teams have. It's Josh Allen can grow with and rely on. And here's the thing I think I like best about this. They went out, like I said, they signed Jake Fisher. They signed Tyler Croft. They don't have to have Hawkinson come in and be an inline blocker right away. They can have him develop that part of his game as he goes down the field and catches passes from Josh Allen. So let me ask you this real quick. Why Hawkinson over Noah Fion, his his, his fellow tight end from Iowa? Uh, You know, I know people go back and forth, and I even went back and forth on this. I like Noah Fion a lot. I just think he offers a little more versatility, a little more flexibility to be an inline blocker. And maybe Noah Fan has a higher ceiling as far as an overall pass catcher and what he can do downfield. And I get that. But I just think the Bills would really like to have Brian Dable really does like to use matchups. And if you can use Hawkinson in line or split out somewhere, whether it's in a slot or up in the line somewhere, as X type of guy, you really split him out. Kind of the way, and I'm not comparing him to Gronk, but kind of the way the Patriots have used Gronk over the years just to create some matchups. Sure. I just think that that, that that little bit of extra offers them. But, man, I mean, Fant would be a great player as well. But I just think that extra little bit of versatility and what he can do in the blocking area to put him in line and let him block and then catch passes from that spot would maybe be the thing that puts him over the top. No, I think you're right. I think the moves that they have made that you highlighted uh, throughout the free agency period – Kind of have you know mapped out the fact that taking a tight end at number nine could really suit them well. They've improved in a lot of other areas around Josh Allen, and this is the big one that I think is the last piece that that could be here. And so, not only do I think that it's a good pick that you're making, I think it's a pick that Buffalo could be making. Sal, thank you so much, man. That was some some serious expert analysis there. We really appreciate you joining us. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Ben. Only one more team in the top ten to go: the Denver Broncos. Could go, and Ben, are we going to get the third quarterback off the board? I mean, it, it depends on what our guy wants to do. Because if he wants to go that way, then I think he has to. But if not, man, I don't know. Broncos are a weird team if they don't go quarterback. We're, we're going to figure it out next. Stick around, guys. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. My name is Trevor Sykema. Benjamin Solak is with me. Ben, about to round out the top 10 of this guest mock draft. Uh, For everybody that was not here before, might be just tuning in, uh, even to just this episode. Kyler Murray went number one overall. Nick Bosa went two. Josh Allen went three. Quinn Williams went four. Ed Oliver went five. Dwayne Haskins, six. Jonah Williams, Seven, Montez Sweat, eight, TJ Hawkinson went number nine. And that brings us in to number 10. Ben, how do you feel about this this uh, Denver pick? Are, are you expecting any surprises here with our guest? I think when when it's day of and it's, you know, it's coming up on 10 and Drew Locke is still on the board, I expect no surprises. And I expect a pretty disappointing result for Denver. But... Knowing our guest, I don't expect that to be the case. I don't expect that to be the direction he goes. And so, yeah, should be surprising. We'll yeah, see what happens. This, this, uh, this episode should be loaded with all kinds of information because on the line with us to pick for the Denver Broncos, we have Twitter's favorite insider, Mr. Benjamin Albright. I feel now very outnumbered on this podcast because now there are two Benjamins. Uh, is two to one very outnumbered? It's the most, it's the smallest outnumbered you can it be. It is, but it is also double what it was before if you think about it like that. 
Ben Albright, if you're listening to this show, I'm sure y'all know him. He's he does he does so much breaking news on Twitter, getting so many great sources for you guys, whether it's in season or out of season. We really appreciate it. Ben, uh, thank you so much for joining the podcast, man. Oh, absolutely, guys. Great to be here. I think my presence kind of maybe helps balance out the universe here uh, with all the love that you guys get and all the hate that I get. We can be a perfect equilibrium on this podcast. Tell me more about the love that I get. I'm very confused <laughs> by that aspect. <laughs> oh, oh, man. You guys, everybody likes you guys, man. They're, they're always like, what, what the, why are they dragging Albright along for this? <laughs> hey, perfectly balanced, to quote Thanos, as all things should be so good got a quote good source there you go so all right let's <laughs> let's kick this off as we do with a lot of our guests we like to kind of ask the general question early on because you know people might be listening to this podcast and they might be fans of different teams and yeah they know their own team pretty well but we like to give them a background of what almost every team in the nfl could be thinking uh, where they came off from the year what that could mean for the nfl draft so ben you know i was talking to you about this before case keenum comes in you know, it was obviously not a long-term answer because it was only a it was only a, a two-year contract that they gave him. But I know they didn't think it, things were going to be as bad as they were this year, especially picking in the top ten. I'm sure that they wouldn't have gone in the direction that they did if they thought that was going to be the result. What happened this year? What was what was the hype kind of like going into the season? What was the outlook? What was the realistic expectations? And then, kind of, how did they get to this point? How did their record uh, become what it became for them to be picking here at number ten? Well, it's a combination of things. Um, you know, I, I, we can go back to the hiring of Vance Joseph, but I think everybody knows about that. We just gloss over it. I think the the real, you know, kind of tumble this past season comes from, you know, missing out on Kirk Cousins. They were geared up to make a run, and, and they figured out fairly early on they weren't actually in, in Kirk's plans. Um, you know, he was kind of dead set on Minnesota from the outset and used the Jets as leverage. But um, so I think, you know, after that, they had to look around and say, okay, what are we going to do at quarterback? Obviously, we can't roll into another season with Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch, Chad Kelly, and Trevor Simeon. Sure. Uh, it's like a Voltron of suck. So uh, I think that in the end, you had to, in the end, you had to kind of find a guy. And, you know, Case Keenan was, was, was hot coming off that, that Minnesota team that was kind of built similarly. Um, strong run game, you know, great defense, and Case trying to make throws. And, you know, so they, they kind of figured that would be a fit. And, you know, they say, bring him in, and they run an offense that's uh, absolutely in no way a fit for, for Case Keenan. Case is a top-five quarterback in the NFL off boot action over the last three seasons. Uh, they ran, you know, almost no play action. Uh, they had Case Keenum firing, you know, deep balls and throwing up the seam to the tight end, and that's that's a recipe for disaster. I think we all saw it happen. So, um you know, I, I think that I, what they had planned and, and and what they brought in, the personnel didn't match the scheme, and you know, so they ended up deciding to dump the you know dump the coaching staff, start from scratch, and and, and go back to the go back to the drawing board and bring in uh, you know everybody else going hot young OC. They decided to zig when everybody else zagged, bring in really old defensive coordinator, um, and Rich Gangarello, of course, is the offensive coordinator. It kind of harkens back to you know the traditional Denver offense, zone run, boot action, and you know I brought in Joe Flacco to replace Case Keenum. So I think they're, you know, I think they're trying to get back to their roots. I think um, they've tried to play plug and play for a long time, and I think they're at the point now where they're like, okay, eject on plug and play. Here's what we want to do. Let's get the people to do this. So right, so we have the new quarterback situation there. Obviously, Keenum's gone. Now it's the trade for Joe Flacco. I don't know the pick you're going to make, but if it ends up being a quarterback at ten for the Broncos. 
what will the leash be like on Joe Flacco? Is it going to be a camp competition? Is it going to be like a guaranteed, you know, at least one year on the bench for the rookie? Is there a feel for what that very tough dichotomy, that very tough relationship is going to be come them drafting around one quarterback? Well, if, if the pick were a quarterback, uh, then I would suggest you have a scenario where Joe Flacco is going to be the guy this season, unless he gets Russ Wilson, you know, in in camp um, by you know where, where if Drew Locke or you know somebody came in and Russ Wilson him, um, and I guess he would be Matt Flynn in that scenario. But uh, he'll he's going to be the guy. The reason for that is 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 twofold. If uh, there's no guaranteed money in Joe's deal, so if Joe Flacco is good, well then he's good, and you continue to roll with him. Or at the end of the year, you get to trade him for an asset because there's no guaranteed money and he played well um and if he stinks then you can always bring the rookie in so uh but i, I joe is going to be the guy unless you he can't be the guy um and and you know i they really like him joe has come in here to denver and just, you know he said all the right things uh you know and kind of blown everybody away in terms of his, his personality and seemed rededication you know quote unquote to football um you know kind of anecdotally and i guess um, some people may not want to hear this, but you know, I talked to some people who uh, were involved in the exodus from Baltimore's defense and the players. And you know, part of the reason they didn't re-up in Baltimore was, you know, because they said the defense kind of carried the football team last year, and they were really concerned about the direction of the offense going forward. Mm-hmm. So um, there were guys that were privately upset that Joe Flacco wasn't put in in that playoff game at halftime. Um, you know, over Lamar Jackson, and I'm not saying Lamar can't be the guy. He might, you know, he might be, but he certainly wasn't when when San Diego figured, or excuse me, the Chargers figured him out. Um, and so they, you know, these guys were like, well, that might have been my only chance to get to, you know, the next level and try to get to a Super Bowl, and and instead they rolled with the guy, you know, who wasn't ready for the moment. So. The Broncos are banking on the fact that Flacco's got a little bit left in the tank, but they know he's not the long-term answer. So outside of the quarterback position, just looking at the rest of the roster, we kind of we've kind of touched on that a little bit with the guys that they have, and and you mentioned Drew Locke there as I think a potential. Hey, you you've talked about on Twitter, and and you were kind of really on the forefront of saying that he could be that realistic target for the Broncos. Outside of quarterback, though, what does this roster look like? What does it lack? Uh, what did they do in free agency? Maybe some things that you liked, maybe some things that they should have done, and kind of where their positioning themselves into you know, what uh, I guess positions they will they will need come draft time. Well, they definitely have a gaping hole at guard, uh, either right guard or center. Uh, after Paradis left, you know, the plan was to move Connor McGovern over to center, which would leave a gaping hole at right guard. So there's, there's a big hole there. You look at this roster, and, and honestly, the Broncos uh, have kind of kind of gotten loaded at the skill positions uh, on mm-hmm. offense, uh, specifically with the youth movement. You know, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, they really like Tim Patrick. Um, they, on offense, they, they kind of need a burner to take the top off, but at the receiving core, they're not bad. Of course, they got Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman at the running backs. I think everybody's familiar with Lindsay now. Um, you know, tight ends, it, it's a it's a group that can't stay healthy, but when they are healthy, shows some some flash and Jake Butt and, and Jeff Hireman and Troy Fumagalli. So, um, you know, I think on the offensive side of the football, they're, they're kind of primed for maybe a breakout if that youth move catches on. Um, defensively, you know, the secondary looks strong again. Uh, the additions of uh, Callahan and, you know, De- Devontae Bowsby today, um, you know, and then, of course, you've got Chris Harris and, and Yadam. Uh, they added Kareem Jackson, although he's he's going to be a safety, um, you know, and he'll compete with Will Parks for the other safety opposite Justin Simmons. Really, the the big weakness right now in the the defense is in the interior. Um, they let them out of Peckle go at, at the nose, um, and they may bring him back, but it'll be like a one year vet minimum deal. And then you know the inside linebackers. You got two guys 
and Josie Jewell and Todd Davis, who are not really fits for Vic Fangio's scheme. Fangio required really athletic linebackers that can go side to side and away from the ball, and neither of the two starters right now are that guy. Josie Jewell's kind of a run funnel guy. Todd Davis is a downhill only linebacker. Um, you know, we, we saw what an exercise in futility it was to have those guys try to cover in that Niners game where, you know, George Kittle is, I think, still open um, catching <laughs> touchdown passes. So. It's, you know, they're a defense that has some spots that need improvement, but, you know, they've got some strong spots too. Derek Wolf is still good. Uh, Adam Godsis has been a surprise, and the rotation with Zach Kerr has been good. Shelby Harris has been good. Uh, Von Miller's Von Miller. Uh, Bradley Chubb, of course, you know, looked pretty good as well. So uh, there's a few holes, but they're pretty glaring. All right, so then I guess the ultimate question has to be, there's a few holes, but they're pretty glaring. You have... Uh, an early second, you have the 10th overall pick. John Elway, been heavily criticized in, in the media, his ability to bring in a quarterback who works. Uh, you know, he's, he's obviously, he won the Super Bowl there, but it was with Peyton Manning kind of getting the trade, getting that end of career Manning. Besides that, he's really struggled at that position. Elway, obviously a long tenure general manager, a big part of the Broncos franchise. How long is the leash going to be for a guy like John Elway? Is this, you know, a, a draft where, you know, ownership in the building, you know, the team, whatever it is, kind of view Elway as saying, listen, like if you aren't able to really get a strong draft here, we're going to continue to be stuck kind of treading water. And, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering how much time is left on Elway's clock. Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, obviously the Broncos have a unique situation where because the ownership is in a state of flux with, you know, Pat Bowen and his his Alzheimer's and um you know, there's no real ownership right now until Brittany Bowen takes over and that's probably gonna be about three years away. Um so right now it's in a trust. So John John Elway doesn't really have a, a boss. I mean Joe Ellis is kind of his boss as the the head of the trust, but you know, he doesn't really have a boss. And Elway's name of course is, you know, big here in town. So um, you know, he's kind of been called Teflon John because he's been able to get away with things. Um, mm-hmm. But that, that started to change a little. Like the tide is kind of starting to change. Just grumbling in the fan base, you know, not winning back-to-back losing seasons for the Broncos, who have only had that three times dating back, you know, in their history dating back to the '70s. Um, you know, as, as far as that goes. So, you know, they're a they're a, a proud franchise, and, and there's a proud winning tradition there. Um, you know, amongst the fan base. So there, there's a growing kind of pervasive theory that, that Vic Fangio um, was John Elway's last head coaching hire, for better or worse, uh, and that if he drafts a quarterback, the next, you know, quarterback he drafts, first round, obviously not the late-round guy, but uh, will probably be his last, for better or worse, as well. Um, so, you know, I think that the leash on him is when his contract is up at three years. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, in this scenario... John Elway is not the GM. That is now the title of Benjamin Albright here on the Guest Mock Draft. And with the number 10th overall pick, I guess that means that you are on the clock then. So, Ben, who are you taking for the Broncos if the board falls the way it did that we talked about earlier? Um, If these players that are available, who would you be taking for the Broncos at number 10 overall? Well, if the board falls this way, and and I stress if it falls this way, um, I think we talked about this, you know, that number five pick, uh, you guys have Ed Oliver to the Bucks. I think we all know that's probably going to be Devin White. But I, I would um, like for it to be board... Ed Oliver, so uh, if you could keep quiet about that, that'd be great. <laughs> it's not me you got to convince, right? I know, I um, know. I, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I don't think that's going to be the pick. I think it's going to be White. But anyway, um, since, since you guys have Oliver, I think the Broncos are, are kind of locked into a conversation here on a couple of guys. Um, 
you know, I think we all know Drew Locke. Um, and then I think that the inside linebacker, you know, coming from the coaching staff and saying, hey, we need these guys to execute our scheme, uh, I think a Devin Bush, Devin White conversation, you know, would be had as well. Uh, you already said Hawkinson's off the board. He would be another player that would be kind of interested in and in, in a potential trade-back scenario. Um, but And then Oliver, you know, being gone to five would be kind of the other name uh, in that mix. But I think if it's not, you know, if it's not any of those names, then, um, then you know, I, I've been certainly led wrong. But that, that seems to be the direction that they're heading um so if it were me in this scenario looking at the board the way it's falling i think i gotta run to the podium before uh, uh before pick number nine gets the full name even out and throw the card as hard as i can at, at uh roger goodell for devin white all right there it is devin white linebacker i mean you talked about how they needed that that um ben ben number two I, i'm gonna call can i do that Bent Solak is that it's what you fine. Which it's who? Fine. What am I supposed? I mean, everybody, uh, everybody on Twitter already thinks I'm a number two. So, oh wow. Hey, you're a number one yeah. to us, Ben. You're number one. Number to one us. in I've our got, hearts. I got dad jokes for days. I got dad jokes for days. <laughs> if you start, yeah, no, okay. So I almost, yeah, I almost let the what did the conversation about you being on the draft show before announcing that you're on the draft show. But hey, what a great time to do it. So actually, Ben <laughs> is going to be joining the Draft Network, and our live draft show, April 25th through the 27th. We're going to be live in Nashville, and we actually just figured this out um, today. And when we're recording this, is actually on a Thursday. So I'm super excited about this. Um, ben always does such a great job with the draft and having some inside information that truly nobody else has, getting to combine that with, with some of the really cool ideas that we've got going on for the show. Um, ben, I'm really excited for you to join the team for that weekend, and uh, it's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, I think it's uh, I think it'll be fun, and you know, I get to I get to kind of let somebody else do a lot of the heavy lifting this year, and just uh, just kind of give the information instead of trying to be the guy doing the production and everything else. That'll be that'll be fun for me. So yeah, you just kind of get to come in and uh, uh, hit the grand slam once we get everybody on base. So uh, Ben, so yeah. Ben, thank you so much for joining us, man. We know uh, you're a very busy, man. We will we will see you in Nashville. I'm pretty excited about it, man. Absolutely. All right, Solak, I'm just going to call you that for the end of the show. Makes it easy. Because that just makes it easy for everybody. Um, that's it for the top 10. How'd you, do yeah. I, now, I mean, like it almost feels like a finality, but guess what? Monday morning, we're rolling it back out. Picks 11 and 12. We go back, we, we get right back to it. So I'm excited. Is there, is there any player that you think is still on the board, Ben, that, that really just shouldn't be? Well, so interesting thing, we had three, four offensive players go, two quarterbacks, uh, tackle and a tight end. No DK Metcalf in the top uh-huh. 10, which is interesting. You know, Jawan Taylor also, you know, we had a tackle go, but it was Jonah Williams. I know. And then Brian Burns. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll jump on the table for Brian Burns to go top 10, will top 5. Will you physically five. jump on the table? Like, if we're doing I mean, a live draft show, will you physically jump on the table for Brian I'm Burns? I'm very nimble, Trevor. I am. It's my only athletic trait. I've seen that. So, I've seen I you would. jump. I, I, would, I would agree with the nimble word. But, all right, so we will figure out where all those, those guys go and, and plenty more when we restart the, the guest mock draft on Monday. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.